before we, we read, we invite you to join in our declaration. So, may lift your Bible up. And is, this is God's word, not Pastor Ray's word. I am what he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I can be what he says I can be. And I will have what he says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. So it reads, reading from the New American Standard Bible. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was begging him that he might accompany him. And he did not let him. But he said to him, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him and everyone was amazed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of getting into your scriptures. We invite now, Spirit of God, that you would open our hearts and you will speak to us from your word. May you teach us principles that we will be applying to our lives so that, God, we may please you better as we walk with you. We invite you now, Spirit of God, to move upon our hearts and minister to us as you are the great teacher. Have your way now, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So now you get to sit and I'll stand up for the rest of the session. <laughs> Amen. So like, like Pastor just said, I, I spoke last week for those who weren't here. And we opened with a song that Dr. Miles Monroe, the late Dr. Miles Monroe did. My, my, my topic was the brand new life. So he did a song. No, I'm not a singer, so I'm going to read the line for you, right? It says, if we want a brand new world, we must have brand new people. To have brand new people, we need the brand new life. To have the brand new life, we need the brand new spirit, or a brand new spirit. And to get the brand new spirit, we need to know Jesus Christ. So it's like a formula. The end result is a brand new world. Now everybody wants that, right? They want to get up and see things better, don't you? Everybody? Alright. But you don't just get there. There's a process. So to get there, we need to know Jesus. Jesus makes us, Jesus gives us a new spirit. His new spirit makes us new people. And because we are new people, we now have a new world. Because new means different, with with nothing like us before. So it's like a formula we have. Jesus gives us the spirit. The spirit gives us life. 
the life makes us new people and new people makes a new world. So that's what we really want. So I want to use as a, as a topic this morning, it is not about you. Can, can I have you to repeat it for me? It is not about you. So just look to somebody and tell them, it's not about you. You know, I'm so convinced. Say it, no man. It is not about you. It's not about you. Let me ask a question as we get into this message. Why do you believe we were given a brand new life? What is the purpose of having a brand new life? The Apostle Paul answers the question for us. In 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 to 20. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all things, this is verse 18, are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their wrongdoings against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled. God. So, so this passage gives us the reason, the purpose of giving us new life. We all have been given a mandate. We all have been asked, commanded rather, to cause reconciliation, to bring the message of reconciliation to a dying world. So the word reconcile is really an accounts word. Those who do accounting. It means to balance. Make both sides equal. The, the dictionary defines it as to restore to friendship or harmony or to settle or resolve differences. So what was the difference? Man was separated from God. We were on different sides. We were enemies of God. And God caused Jesus to come Pay the price to cause that reconciliation. No, the difference has been settled and we have been given this assignment. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation, which means we get to do the work of getting other people to find peace with Jesus. We find peace with God through Jesus. So that's our mandate. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry involves the proclamation of the gospel, and its assurance that forgiveness of sin is available in Christ. So sin prevents us from having a relationship with God, but Jesus' perfect sacrifice on the cross made an atonement for sin, and now we can have a good relationship with the Father because of what he did. So before, we were enemies, seen as people who deserve God's wrath because of what he's done we now have fellowship with the father 
But this is a big responsibility. We have been given this ministry that the world outside us is dying. And it's our job to bring this message of life to them. It's a big responsibility. Awesome task, but possible and doable. It's doable because, like Pastor said earlier on, every believer is a minister. It shouldn't come down to pastor alone trying to get the message out. Every believer is a minister. So once you have been saved, we have the job to go out and tell people, plus live the message that Jesus saved us. Jesus changed us. And so that people will see this in us and want to know what's going on with you. How did you get to be that different? There is, however, a problem. This is not the reality of most of us. Most of us might be considered to be undercover Christians. It means little or nobody else knows that we are believers. So we go to work, we go to school, we go into the work, the world every day, and we do what we have to do, and we go back home. So people not knowing who we are, we cannot make an impact. We cannot cause this message, this ministry we have, to get out there because we're going out as secret agents, and we come back in like Batman into our caves. There is a problem with that. It is our job to get the message out. Let, let's look at the text one more time. When he got into the boat, that's Jesus getting into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said, Go to your friends, tell them what great things the Lord has done for you, and how he has had compassion on you, or mercy on you, And he, this is the gentleman, departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. He went out, proclaimed the message, and everybody who heard the message marveled, astonished, and pondered what kind of change they were seeing in this gentleman. This text is the start of, it's in the middle of a story of a busy day for Jesus Christ. So the story started in chapter 4. But Jesus started out chapter 4 with teaching at the seaside. He was sitting in a boat, the people on the seashore, and he was teaching them. After a good conference, he said to the disciples, let us cross over to the other side. While crossing over, they experienced a storm. And while the disciples were trying to get things, because these were experienced fishermen, so they, they were using their, their experience to see if they could get the boat okay to cross, but, but had difficulties. The water was coming in too fast, so they had to go wake up Jesus. Because, you know, man tired. He did a holy preaching in the morning and wanted a break. 
So he was resting. I had said some long time ago that a smart disciple would have drawn a pillow and lie down beside Jesus and rest as well. But they didn't see it that way. They figured, let's wake him up and see if he would rescue them. Now they said this to him, Lord, don't you care that we are about to perish? So, so he seemed to be okay. Let's talk about me. Now remember my theme is, it is not about you. They thought it was about them. So they are saying, do you want us to die? Do you want us to drown? You know, Jesus got up. He rebuked the winds and the waves. And then he asked them, where is your faith? Why do you have such little faith? Because if Jesus says we're crossing over, it means we're crossing over. Once he is in the boat with you, you don't have to worry. It will get to where it was destined to go. Amen? So our job then is to make sure that any boat we go on, Jesus is on it. Even if he's sleeping, as long as he's present, you should be all right. Amen? I heard a preacher last night. It was last, yesterday I was listening to a sermon, and the preacher shared of a lady on a plane traveling, and the plane got into some rough territory. And everybody on the plane was, was panicking and, and crying. And, and this lady was quiet. And she was, you know, calm. Nothing seemed to bother her. And they say, you don't see what's happening. And she said, yes. But I know something that you don't know. And they were saying, seriously, what do you know that we don't know? And she said, oh, Billy Graham is in first class. Now, Billy Graham, as you should know, is one of the world's top evangelists. So Billy Graham was on assignment to travel to crusade in our country. And so she believes that as long as Billy Graham is on this plane, the plane won't crash. Now, unfortunately for her, her faith was in the preacher. Now, I would have said, Jesus is on board because I am his, his child. But, but, I mean, she's believed that because this man of God is here, heading on God's mission, then the plane will get there. So, yes, get liquid turbulence, but we will get to where we're going because the man of God is on board. Now, I want our faith to be not in the man of God, in Jesus. If Jesus is on board, you will get to your destination. Turbulence will come. Expect it. But if Jesus is there, you can sleep. Get yourself a pillow, curl up in a corner, catch a nap. Because you will get to your destination if Jesus is there. I also want to pull this, that they got to where they had planned to go. They crossed over. So now, can it be that sometimes when we reach, we get comfortable? You ever set out to get a job or you get a degree, and when you reach, you figure, I'm, I, can, I can relax now? So, so remember, it's not about you. So even though you get to where you had set out to go, don't believe it's time to rest. You still have 
work to do. So, so, so getting there is you moving to a new location, a new position, but you still have an assignment at this new position, this new location. So never think it is about you. So, so even with a promotion, with a, with a new degree, with a new house, with a new car, never believe that you have arrived and so you can settle here because it is not about you. So when they crossed over, we reached chapter 5, not true? When they crossed over, just as they reached, Jesus stepped out and here comes a man who was possessed. A man who had issues, serious issues, and needed help. Now, you thought, because him crossed him, okay. But there was mission, assignment waiting on him on that side. Now, before I tell you about this man, let me see if we can liken the disciples to our church. Now, not church on the rock, but church general. The disciples were in the boat with Jesus in chapter 4 when he was teaching. But we have no reference of them doing anything in that section. They were students. They were members of the congregation. They were also in attendance at the conference. Maybe sitting in the boat means they might think they have a you know, good position because everybody else were on the, the shore and they were in the boat with Jesus. But, but they were listening. The church today is hearing a whole heap of message. Especially now with, with COVID, you turn on your phone, your TV, and you can pick, choose, and refuse a preacher. Because 11 o'clock hour, Facebook flood with preachers. So you can choose. But even before COVID, the church is known to host conferences and crusades and seminars. We, we have a lot of opportunities to hear the message. What I believe is a problem is that we have not been doing a lot of what we've been hearing we are supposed to do. So we have been good hearers of the word, but, but not so good doers of the word. Like the disciples, we also witness miracles that Jesus would be doing. We, we know somebody who got healed. We know somebody who got, got a job, a promotion. We know somebody who God did something for. Everybody in here can find at least one person that you know that God did something for them. Not true. So we know of God doing things, but, but, but the part that we are supposed to start do is where we seem to be falling short. We also know that we have doubted God many times. Just like the disciples cried out, you don't care that we're drowning. They doubt, even though he was present, they had fear because they thought it was the end. How many times have we gotten into some tight spots and we give up. Say, Lord of mercy, I eat this. 
Because we doubted that he was able to carry us over this point. There's a story of a man who a preacher was passing through an airport and saw a man begging alms. And he stopped, said he was looking money for surgery. The preacher stopped and said, do you want me to pray for you? And the gentleman said, prayer won't help. I have stage four cancer. Now, emphasizing stage four is already in his mind, this is too far for God to do anything about it. Now, do we know that nothing is impossible with God? We, we agree that nothing is hard, nothing is outside of his scope. Stage four or five, if there's a stage five. There, it makes no difference where you are. God can still help you. Amen? But it is for us to, to believe. So it is going to be, be it unto you according to your faith. So if you believe it's too big, it is too big. Because God won't step past what you believe him for. He can do it, but you don't believe he can. That means you won't receive it from him because your faith stops you at the end of the decks. Be it unto you according to your faith. Let's talk about the man a little bit. The man, his story, issues, and everything is, is recorded in the earlier verses of chapter 5. So let me read a few verses for you. Verse 1 begins, They came to the other side of the sea, in the region of the Gerasenes. This translation this have Gerasenes. There's a Gadara in one version. All right, we when he got out of the boat, and this is he is Jesus. Immediately, a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, not even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him. And the shackles broken in pieces. And no one was strong enough to subdue him. So this is the man's condition. Living among the tombs. A, a man living where dead people are. Because of his condition. Verse 5 says, Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs. And in the mountains, and cutting himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, verse 6, he ran up and bowed down before him. And shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do you have with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Let me pause right there for a second, yeah? The, the, the man... In verse number 7 we had just read. What do you, what business do you have with me Jesus? This was not the man talking. So the man ran to Jesus. Bowed down to Jesus. But the voice, the audible voice that came from the man was not him talking. This was the spirit that was possessing him. 
Now saying to Jesus, what business do you have with me? Son of the most high God. So he knows who Jesus is. So what business? And he begged, I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had already been saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, what is your name? And he said to him, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. That's something for you to think about, right? Why did they want to stay in that area? Now there was a large herd of pigs feeding nearby on the mountains. And the demons begged him, saying, send us into the pigs so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission and coming out, the unclean spirit entered the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they drowned in the sea. The herdsmen, verse 14, ran away and reported it in the city and in the countryside. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. And when they came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind, the very man who had previously had the legion, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it described it to them how it happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the pigs. And they began to beg him, Jesus, to leave their region. Interesting, right? Jesus just healed a man who they had tried to help. And they, they are saying, Jesus, don't stay. Interesting. But let's take a closer look at this gentleman. What was wrong with him? He was possessed or oppressed or you want to just say he was controlled by evil spirits. He was empowered by these spirits to the point where chains couldn't hold him. They, they tried several times but he keep bursting off and set himself loose. In, in, in today's world, we would say he has mental illness. He might have, you know, sick head him, head gone, is what we'd say. He is, was cutting up himself, so he, he was more danger to himself than to others. Because the fact that people would go to him to try to, to, to bond him, means they were not really afraid of him. So the fear was he would keep cutting himself, keep hurting himself, possibly kill himself. So they were trying to save him from himself. This was extreme bondage and probably hopelessness. And I believe then when he saw Jesus, a glimpse of hope came in. And so he ran to Jesus. Not that Jesus went for him, he saw him and ran to Jesus and bowed down before him. He was a suffering man at that point. Wanted to be free, but couldn't. People wanted to help, tried to help, but their help was not good enough. It was temporary for the most part. 
Because they did try. They say several times, but he got to a point when no one could control him. He got out of control. I'm going to share a few verses with you from Matthew chapter 12, 43 to 45. No, I'm sharing a principle with you, not saying that this is what happened to this gentleman. All right? Matthew 12, 43 to 45. It says this. Now, when the unclean spirit comes out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then, this is 45, it goes and brings along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they come in and live there. And the last condition of that person becomes worse than the first. This is the way it will also be with this evil generation. I believe that a lot of the issues we are seeing happening around us today are influenced by evil spirits. And like this gentleman, all the social programs we put in place are just temporary fixes, but doesn't solve the real problem. So yes, plan some programs. Try to help them. Government have programs. Church have programs. Community groups have programs. There are several programs. But these are temporary fixes for what is a permanent issue. Unless, like for this gentleman, Jesus shows up. And when Jesus showed up, he took what this gentleman really needed. He needed to be delivered. He needed freedom from what? was holding him captive, and this can only come from Jesus Christ. So the social programs won't deliver people. You help for a while, but deliverance is what he wanted. So when he got delivered, he wanted to join Jesus and his disciples on the boat. I want to liken this to our church age. And I want to say the boat is the church. And so, a lot of us find comfort in the church, but when we come outside, we have no influence, we have no impact. And that's not good. Remember, we got the new life, but it is not about us. So his assignment was this. This is, Verse 19, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you or how he showed compassion to you. So this is verse 19 of chapter 5. So Jesus gave this man an assignment instead of took him onto the cruise. We have been given the same assignment. Remember earlier on? We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It is our job to go out and tell people what God has done for us. Imagine one pastor, a whole heap of congregation. Pastor can only do or be 
at one place at a time. As a matter of fact, Jesus in his earthly ministry was confined to one place at a time. Now, when he gave us this ministry of reconciliation, he's now saying, I am in you. And so wherever you are, I am there. So now you now go and tell people what God has done. No, that means if, if you tell people where you live what God done, I tell people where I live what God did, you tell them where you live, it means in a shorter time, more people hear the message than if we were to send our pastor go down to where you live and to where I live and where do you live. It would have harder, don't it? Take more time if he were supposed to be doing everything. And while Jesus was here, he was also confined to a physical body. Now, that's why he said, when I go, greater things you will do. Because now I am going to the Father and I will send the Spirit in you. So we now have the same power. We have been empowered to go out there and bring this message to wherever we are. That means we should not be secret agents as Christians. People should know that we are believers. And we should now be telling them what God has done for us. I, I, I love to hear Pastor Omar preach. But I am saying that if you were to go down the road and tell somebody what God did for you personally, you, you, you get a better response than what Pastor gets after a sermon is done. Especially if you tell somebody who knew you before the change occurred. So let's say you were sick and everybody saw your sickness. People know that you are sick. When you show up healed, that's a sermon right there, you know? As a matter of fact, look at this gentleman. Everybody know he was possessed. He was living in the tombs with dead people. And now because of what Jesus did, he now goes back into his community. Now, the first thing you must know, is, especially if there are Jamaicans, everybody out on the roadside. Everybody coming out to see, is him for true? And so, right there, he would have an opportunity to say, Jesus did this for me. The same thing is for us. As long as you were changed from what you used to be to what you are now, like Rev say, you might not Get the perfection. No, no, we're not reached this yet. But if you can say, I was blind, I'm now seeing. People want to hear what caused that change. What is the source of that difference? And you would have an opportunity to say, it is because of Jesus. And so when you tell them that, and I tell my side that, and you tell your side, the more of us saying what God did, then it means more people are being drawn to him. But we have been leaving it alone for pastor. And so, the growth has been thwarted somewhat. Verse 20 says this, right? He, the man, departed to proclaim, departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And all marveled. So everybody 
were amazed. Everybody were astonished. People wanted to hear what's happening. Now, look, let's look at the big point for this year, so please. The word decapolis means ten cities. Ten cities. So let's say Ochi, St. Bay, Priory, Bamboo, Ronoy Bay, Megantenef, Discord Bay, Civil Heights. So, so you see what I'm talking about? He got ten cities that he would now go and declare the message. Now we only have to do a couple of houses wrong way, and we're not doing it. At work, a few decks around you, and we're not doing it. At school, a couple of classmates around you, and we're not doing it. So we have been keeping the message to ourselves. And that means more people are living in the tombs. More people are living with the conditions that God wants to deliver them from. But the message of reconciliation is not going out. And if we are not carrying the message out, it won't go. And remember, we got saved, but it is not about us. As a matter of fact, it is up to us to get the world changed. It is up to us to get our communities changed. It is up to us for our neighbors to come to this message. So it is not about us, but it is up to us. If we don't do it, who will? Let me show you how it connects to, to us. Like this gentleman, our world needs help. So many things are wrong with our world. And not just, you know, see we have some visitors. So it's not just Jamaica, right? It's world. Everywhere we go, problems. So, so I, I, I put down crime, corruption, and COVID. And I keep in the seat, not true. And countless other issues are affecting our world today. It is plaguing us at several levels. At the individual levels, there are people who are hurting themselves. Right now, we have teachers who are missing. We have students who are missing. We have people being just nobody knows where they are. So there are individual problems. There are home problems, community problems, school have problems, countries have problems. There are problems everywhere. The only source of helping is Jesus. Jamaica has several social programs all over, even the state of emergencies. They call it social program. But even with state of emergency, crime is still on the rise. Corruption is, 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 is rampant. And it's not just Jamaica. These are problems everywhere. But the church staying in the boat. We must remember that every believer plays a part in this ministry of reconciliation. One plants, one waters, God brings the increase. He brings the growth. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Let's, let's put a twist on this. Let's say this means that we would go out with this message of reconciliation and we are causing people to find peace with God. We are causing people to make peace with God. So this means, blessed are those who help people to make peace with God. They will be called the sons of God. That's our mandate. Helping people to find peace with God is our mandate. So we have found peace with God, but we are keeping it in the boat. We are to go outside to help others. As a matter of fact, Jesus gave the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's our commission. That is our mandate. We need to go out and spread the message. The result would be that we have less people with the problems we just mentioned. We have less people in our communities with the problems. And remember this song, Miles Monroe? If you want a brand new world, you want brand new people. To get brand new people, they need brand new life. To get brand new life, they need a brand new spirit. And to get the new spirit, they must know Jesus Christ. That's our message. We want the new world. We want to see things happening better around us. But it won't get to that point if we don't start by saying to people, this is what Jesus did for me. I don't know what he did for you. I know what he did for me. And there are people who know me from a long time who will tell you, that this virgin is different from what I knew him to be some months ago, some years ago. Not perfect. Don't reach yet. But I'm different from what I used to be. Still have issues. Still make mistakes. Still do things wrong. But I'm not as bad as I used to be. Now that's a message. And those who know me will agree that him not get it right yet. But, but he might do better than he used to do. And that's our message to go to those who know us to say. So that's why Jesus said, now start in Jerusalem. That's what he told the disciples. Start where people know you. And tell them what God has done. And they should see, based on the changes that is happening in you, that yes, indeed, God did something on his life. Because they are seeing the differences in how we are living. We have this mandate. So let's, let's wrap this up. Remember, it's not about you. So you get saved, but it's not for you. You get a new house, it's not for you. You get a new car, not for you. You get a promotion, it's not about you. These are God putting you in places and with possessions that will cause this message to be able to go out easier. Carrying it to different people. So every time you get a new job, it means God is widening your, your influence. 
giving you some new people to talk to. That means you don't want to leave the old job and didn't tell anybody anything about Jesus. So make sure before the promotion, I give up that office. Before the new job, before the new house, before the new country, make sure you have been saying to people, this is what God has done for me. And remember, if we want a brand new world, we need new people. And we said this last week, that the new means God has made you to be so different that there is nobody else like you. So all of us are new people, but we're not copies of the same. So it means you have an assignment, I have one. Brand new. And we are supposed to go and declare that. We get saved so we can get others, help others to get saved. We get healed so we can tell others that healing is possible. We have to bring this message to people so that the world can get the message. The longer we take to go out with it, the longer the world takes to get it. And that means the longer we have to wait to get to that brand new world. Here is a... You can, you can use the imagination, right? Everybody can use imagination? Everybody can? So imagine this is an orange. Right? What is this? An orange, right? Right? So, in, in an orange, I have one orange, but nobody knows the amount of seed is in this orange. Right? Right? Work with me, no man. It's an orange. So, I can eat this one orange and throw away all my orange seeds. Now, each seed in my orange can produce a tree. Right? You have to work with me, no man. You have to flow with me. So, from one seed comes one tree. Right? Now, this one tree will produce oranges. Right? And in each orange, there are more seeds. Alright. So now, let's say we destroy this one orange. Destroy. Burn, fire, trade, rubbish, whatever. Destroy the one orange. It means we would be preventing many orange trees from growing. So, so the message is, we are seeds. Every time I help you to get the message, you help him to get the message, and him help she to get the message, and it keeps going around. So one orange has the potential to produce a forest. But it, it has to be where we are planting each seed that comes from the one orange. Every time we don't plant one seed, means we just rob the forest of a tree. And we rob several people of eating some oranges. We have the message to spread. Don't, don't mess it up. If we don't do our part, somebody is not going to get the message. Amen? Let me invite you to stand. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. So, so I want to, to challenge us this week. Pastor said earlier on that there were no first, first attendees, first time attendees in church. Could it be that because we have not been inviting people to come to church? Could it be that we have not been passing this message out? So I want to challenge us that as we go forward this week, that we will seek opportunity. And we have shared an awesome message, um, method or principle earlier on, where sometimes we get opportunities to talk to people and we miss it. So he said, every time somebody says to you, pray for me, or they ask you, how was church? Or they ask you, how is your walk with God? They are giving you an opportunity to tell them about your life with the Lord. They're giving an opportunity for you to pray for them. So the challenge this week is, as we go out, let's look for the windows, the opportunities to minister this message of reconciliation to somebody. Even one. If we can catch one a week, we're doing well. Because you don't know who that one is going to be. Can you imagine how the person who ministered to Pastor Omar years ago smiling today? Just imagine the person who shared the message with Dr. Miles Monroe or with Billy Graham or with these preachers we, we, we look up to today. Imagine the person who told them about Jesus. It might not be from a sermon. I got saved with a seven or eight year old girl singing a song once. I was ready before the preacher go on to give my life to Jesus. So by the time the preacher said, come up, I was up because my heart was melted from the little girl's song. So we don't know who we're going to be helping to find this light. But our job is to start telling people about this light. Start sharing this message that God is doing things in your life. He is working things out for you. And because you are saying what he's doing, somebody will want to get into this same relationship with him. And because you planted that one seed, you don't know how many oranges, how many lives will be coming to you, credited to you because of that one seed our message, our mandate, our mission. Share this message of reconciliation. God is calling everybody get reconciled to God. Get it right with God. Get into a relationship with him. But there are people who will die not hearing if we don't tell them. We may lose friends family members because we didn't tell them what God is doing in us. How do you feel if the friend you have as your best friend pass on and never heard the message when you had had many opportunities with them to say get reconciled to God. Let's, Let's leave here today, my friends, with our minds made up to tell somebody, even one, Look what God is doing in me. Look what he's doing for me. 
And it provides that pastor said, we pastor want. So when you tell them, help them to grow in knowledge. Help them to grow. No, I know you will be smiling from ear to ear if you were the person who told pastor about Jesus many years ago. And you get to watch him week after week now bringing other people to the Lord. You don't know who you might be sharing the message with. But that's not your responsibility. Yours is share the message. Tell somebody what he's doing. So as we go about this week, use every opportunity to tell somebody, look what the Lord is doing for me. Look at what he has done for me. And we will be causing the forest to grow a little bigger. Because somebody else will be getting the message. Let us pray. Pastor, let me just kind of explain this for you quickly so you can get it right and then we'll pray. There are three things I want you to do this week, right? Very easy. All right, I'm going to make this very easy for you. Let's all start with the letter I. Initiate, invite, and invest. We have 47 days left for the end of the year and by my calculations that's like 1128 hours I'm not very good at math so I could be wrong so just check it up and if you want if you're very interested in working your brain you can do that I'm not interested right the number could be wrong but we have 47 days left in the year and I want by the end of the year you you lead one person to the Lord no some of you have never done this so there are different ways to do it. One is to initiate, the other is to invite, and the next is to invest. All right? How does it work? Very simple. Initiate means just have a conversation and start with, how are you doing? And when you ask that, don't walk, pass. Just say, hello. don't say, hello, how are you? Hi. No, no, just initiate a conversation. And in this conversation, you listen two times as much as you speak and when you finish you pray for them right so you initiate and then you go and pray you listen and then you pray no I know you're saying that but I don't know what to pray hold your hands well they can't do that now right so let's pray for you and say our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Just just pray the Lord's prayer. Because God answers you not based on your words, but based on your heart. So if you pray the right thing with the wrong heart, you ain't going to be answered. But you can pray the Lord's prayer and have the right heart. And God heals and God provides. So you initiate. So you have 47 days to initiate a conversation. Number two is to invite. Invite someone to church. And you're going to tell them, but I have no church clothes. And you say to them, that's why I'm inviting you. I know you have no church clothes. Because there's no church clothes. So here's the thing. Come to church. 
And they're going to say, but what am I going to wear? Say, well, you have nothing to wear? Come, I'm going to invest. I'm going to get you something to wear. And this will be your Christmas present to someone. Your gift to them. You may need to pick them up. But you need to invite and invest. Part of the kingdom is helping to remove the excuses. They're going to tell you about hairstyle. So listen, let me take you to the barber. Let me give you a, a hat to wear. Eliminate the excuses for people. And make the gospel simple for them. Has this ever worked? The disciples said to Jesus, but the people, these people are hungry. They have been following us all day. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. They said to him, listen, boy, we don't even have the money to do this. He says, what do you have? And they went around and all they found was bread or loaves and fish. God, Jesus said, listen, if that's what you have, that's what we're going to use. God is going to use whatever you have to remove the excuses so people can come to know him. Do you know who actually fed them? It was the disciples. Jesus just blessed what they provided so that they could do the job that he wanted them to do. Now I want you to know that God is going to bless what you have so you can do the job that he wants you to do. You have 47 days left and all you have to do is initiate, invite, and invest. You may not know how to share the gospel, but bring them to church. They will hear the gospel. Because if we don't sound the alarm and the people die, Ezekiel says that their blood is on our shoulders. But if the watchmen sound the alarm and the people don't respond, then their blood will be on their shoulders. I felt like you once, like I don't know what to tell them. And people in church would say, all you have to do, just tell them you were blind, but now you see, I was never blind. You mean I was blind? Just tell him that, that, you know, you were dead, but now you're alive. I was never dead. I couldn't, like, I never felt comfortable telling people that I was dead and now I'm alive. Of course, they were talking blind to life and dead to sin. I couldn't tell people that. And you know what I used to say to them? Hey, we have a football team at church. If you want to play, you come to church. I used to tell them, listen, we're having youth fellowship and they're giving away free food. And they used to tell me we have nothing to wear. I was radical. I got a little old now. I remember I had a friend and his hair was colored. And he said he couldn't come to church. And I colored my hair. And you know what was funny? When I went to church, there were <laughs> one of my youth pastors was ready to cast out demons out of me. And I was just the funniest thing. And the person who had the colored hair, they didn't go and try to cast out the demons out of them. They wanted to cast the demons out of them. They said, what did you do to your hair? Don't come back here next week with it like that. But whether I color my hair or not, matters not to God if someone comes into the kingdom. If I wear a jeans shirt to church tomorrow, 
with a t-shirt so that an unbeliever can come to church it doesn't alter my relationship with God if I decide that my friend has no shoes I'm going to wear sandals so he can wear his and feel comfortable it doesn't change my place in heaven some of us can't even wear our jeans to church to get an unbeliever to come to church just ask him what do you have a t-shirt I will wear a white t-shirt just like you and my jeans just like you and I'll sit beside you can we do that so that's the challenge you have 47 days 1,128 hours to invite one person to church to invest in one person and to initiate a conversation that leads to prayer with one person is that possible I mean are you if you're willing to take that challenge just put your hand up in fact Philippians tells us that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and I know that by the time you leave out of church the devil is going to come and tell you all kind of nonsense and garbage just just rebuke him in the name of Jesus and say I am about my father's business come on just say that with me when I walk through the doors this morning I will be about my father's business it's not about me Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person with their hands lifted this morning. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you will give them an opportunity to initiate a conversation. Set the atmosphere by the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Maybe it's at school. It's at work. Maybe it's in the supermarket. Uh, maybe it will be on the street. But God, set the atmosphere. Soften some hearts so that when your people begin to speak, people will be receptive in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you'll open a door of opportunity for them to invite someone to church, invite someone to sell, and to invite someone to Christ. I pray, Lord God, that you will bless what they have so that they can invest tangible in, tangibly in someone's life. Maybe it's to buy a dress or a pants or a shoe or maybe it's God is to give them wisdom how they could attire themselves to make that person feel more comfortable coming into the house of the Lord. Maybe it's to invest some time just to sit down and listen to that person. Maybe it's to spend some time with them and show them and teach them the love of God. Open doors of opportunity. Gotta pray that we remember that we were called into your kingdom to bring others into your kingdom. We make disciples who make disciples. So, like this man, you told him, Go back to your people. God, may we go back and tell the people. It's like that woman at the well who said, Come see a man. She didn't know the epistles and she didn't know the Torah. All she knew was Jesus, and all she shared was Jesus. When we open our mouths, give us the words to say. Bring scriptures to our memory, sermons to our memory. May we also share the testimonies of God's goodness. For indeed, we want a brand new world. 
but we must be a brand new people and to be a brand new people we need a brand new life and to get that brand new life we need a brand new spirit and to have that brand new spirit we need to turn to Jesus Christ keep your people like you've always done and may we not stray from the path in Jesus name amen and amen come on clap your hands for Jesus listen some I'm I'm looking at your faces I'm going to check you out when I see you and I'm going to ask you I mean where is your one I might come on just 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 look at the person beside you and, and say to them listen Let's look at the point at them and say, listen, I want to know who your one is. We're not talking about special ones. If they come in to tell you who the special one is, that, that's not the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about the one that you must invite, invest in, or initiate a conversation with before the end of the year. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the week. Come on, just put your hands together for Jesus this morning. Come on, just keep them going as the praise and worship team.